Hey, expats and travelers, welcome to this week's episode sponsored by WorldPost.io, the virtual mailbox service powered by Anytime Mailbox. We'll get to the features and benefits a little later. If you're interested in becoming an expat, whether you're moving to Portugal or another overseas location, I highly recommend you get your finances in order before you move. Yes, it's actually really important that you do it before you go. I know when we first got started, we did not do it that way. But if we knew John McNertney at Green Ocean Global, we would have gone to him as he's someone that is Lisbon-based and he is experienced with expat financial challenges. So he's a go-to person that we recommend. Right, he can help you with long-term investments, financial systems, and international taxes. And he's actually helped us and producer Dan has used him to explore what it would be like to move abroad and see if it would fit his family's current financial situation. I think what's great about him is that he gives you personalized plans. He will look into your unique situation and he'll help you out. And this is honestly what's super necessary because we get tax questions and finance questions on the YouTube channel and literally no background from the person that's asking us the question. So now we've started to point people to John. Right, because everyone is different and everyone has their own unique situation. So you need an expert to help you out. All right, so visit greenoceanglobal.net for contact information and further assistance. Check out the show notes below. Hello, and welcome, my emerging expat. You're tuned in to Let's Move to Portugal. I'm producer Dan, and I have the distinct honor of bringing you YouTube travelers and our resident Portugal experts, expats everywhere's Kaylee and Josh. Each week they'll inspire, they'll educate, and they'll accompany you on your journey to Portuguese residency. This week on Let's Move to Portugal, we've got Janine. Janine and her husband moved to Portugal during the pandemic. They considered moving to Italy, but found the D7 process easier and quicker, allowing them to choose Coimbra as their new home. Janine is coming up next. Stick around. Well, hello, Kaylee and Josh. Hey, Dan, what's up? We're back at it again. Great to see you both again. I know you've been battling some colds lately. How y'all feeling now? Well, I am still feeling under the weather. Uh, I mean, you can probably hear my voice right now. I'm still quite stopped up. I have started to smell again, so that's nice. I am back to normal, so I think I'm pretty good now. Hopefully you can hear that in my voice as well. True. Every time we try to record, it seems like Kaylee has this nasally thing going on, and I kind of... I don't know, like make fun of her a little bit. And then now I'm hit with it. You got to be careful with what you make fun of your wife for. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are still in the States, right? How's it been being back? Yeah, it's been actually really good being back apart from the cold. Um, it's been good getting to see family for sure and getting to spend time with them. Getting them to spend time with Valencia has been amazing. It's awesome. Seeing the way Valencia interacts with her cousins and family in general has been incredible. That's been just a lot of fun to watch and just a joy to watch. Yeah, I think that's probably been my favorite thing is just Valencia being able to see family. She's so used to seeing them on, you know, computer screens or the phone when we're FaceTiming or Skyping or something like that. So being able to see them in person has been really nice. And then meeting some of the cousins that she hasn't met or she was really little when she met. So she hasn't actually had a chance to play with them. So that's been a lot of fun seeing how excited she is and asking for her cousins and everything. Yeah. And getting to update those photos, right? 
Yeah, yeah. That sounds really fun. I love seeing my kid play with their cousins. It's fun, you know, visiting and being back because it's weird, like things have changed, but then things have also stayed the same. It's really good to see family and just kind of see how things have been uh, evolving, I guess, where we're from. Yeah, my hometown of Bristol, Virginia, feels very comfortable. Sure. Like every time we're back here, uh, it does feel like home in a way because it's my hometown. It's where I grew up. I understand it. I understand the culture here. I understand the people and I do love it. The pace of lifestyle is, is probably overall too slow for me. Um, it, lacks, it lacks diversity in a lot of ways that we're used to now living <laughs> abroad. But in terms of like just being back and kind of getting back into the rhythm of, of life here, which is a, a pretty slow paced life, it's good. Well, this week, Kaylee sat down with Janine. What a nice lady. She's so easy to talk to and just... Um... Just really nice and loves living in Coimbra, which is a lot of fun to talk to her about that because, you know, they weren't even sure if that was the place that they wanted to land uh, permanently or, you know, for a long term, I guess you could say. So the fact that they've just kind of seen the city come alive from COVID to how it is now and how they're really enjoying it and they've jumped right in. They've met a lot of expats. She's got a little pet business that she does. She helps people when they travel. So just great talking to her. Great friends. Really nice. How did we get to know she and her husband? Just reached out to us, honestly, um, from the YouTube channel. And then we were rolling through Coimbra when we were doing a three-month tour of Portugal. Coimbra was one of the places we stopped at because there's a lot of interest in the city. And uh, they knew that we were there. We were chatting with them and just got together and walked around with them. And it was cool for them to show us what they had learned because they hadn't been there for that long when we visited. And we were there for two weeks. And so they were just showing us kind of places that they had experienced and what they thought of it. So it was good to see an expat's point of view of Coimbra really early on. Yeah, their their ears were just wet, weren't they? Yeah, wide-eyed, bushy-tailed when we first met them. But still there and still loving it. And again, like Janine's going to talk about this, loving how she uh, was able to see the city come alive. Yeah, I really like that. And listener, just a reminder that we still have room for a few more questions in our upcoming Q&A. So email us at podcast at expetseverywhere.com with whatever your question is about moving to Portugal or living in Portugal. We still have room. We want to hear from you. We're really excited about putting together this special podcast where we answer all of your questions. Yeah, man, that one's going to be awesome. And we'll be back with Janine right after this. WorldPost.io is powered by Anytime Mailbox, which means you can get your mail anytime, anywhere, even on your smartphone. And they really have competitive pricing with their lowest package starting at $5 per month. Here's a cool feature they have. WorldPost can relay things from the U.S. to Europe. So that includes documents. <laughs> Amazon purchases. Amazon the purchases. US. <laughs> and you can get it to Portugal. And they have a variety of packages. Some include secure shredding, free junk mail filters, and things like that. I bet you love that junk mail filter. Oh, lots of junk mail. I sign up for a lot of newsletters. <laughs> She's not joking. So if you're interested in worldpost.io, you can visit the website or check the link in the show notes below. Okay, let's talk about Lusitana Dreams because what they're offering is really great. Yeah, it definitely is. And Dallas actually has grown Lusitano Dream since we first met him. So he's really getting his process dialed in. 
The thing that I like about it is it removes the barrier and, and choke point of the proof of accommodation because that's been one of the biggest things that the D7 and the D8 for the, like the long-term people have had problems with, right? Yeah, it's definitely something that is really hard to lock yourself into sight unseen. But here you can have a legitimate contract. You can rest assured that it's going to be a soft landing because you're coming into a furnished place in a good location and a livable location until you can kind of get your bearings and figure out where you really want to live. And the cool thing about it is that they can start your lease when you arrive. So you're not like burning a few months of, of cash essentially paying for an apartment or paying for a lease that you're not using. Yeah, that's one that's really hard to negotiate, trying to get a lease that starts when you want to arrive and not when you are actually applying. So the fact that they offer that as a service to where you're not, like you said, burning those months saves you a lot of money. Yep, Lusitano Dreams offers visa-friendly proof of accommodation. So that could be for the D7 visa or the D8 visa. And their properties include detached houses, apartments, room rentals as well in different locations like Lisbon, Cascais, Lule, and they're expanding too. So uh, soon to be Porto and quite possibly Silver Coast. Yeah, which is really exciting. So check out Lusitano Dreams for more information. We have a link in the show notes below. All right, Janine, thanks so much for being on the podcast with us today. And you are in Coimbra. But before we get to that, I want to know where did you come from? How long have you been there? Let's chat about before Coimbra. Well, I want to say thank you very much for having me. And um, yeah, before we were in Coimbra, uh, we were basically from California. And we, during the pandemic, actually spent a couple of years in Texas and we knew that um, Texas was not going to be where we wanted to stay. So we were looking around, and a couple countries came into our view, and it wound up being Portugal. So we were looking into the different areas, and actually my husband did most of that work, um, and we just thought that Coimbra is such a vibrant city with you know a college town life and also had a river and it wasn't as big as Porto or Lisboa. So we really uh, thought we'd just give it a try. We'd never been here before and it was kind of our launching pad. So we just thought, let's try Coimbra. If it doesn't work, then we'll move elsewhere. But we kind of got here and fell in love with it and we've stayed for two years almost now. How awesome. Okay, before we talk a bit more about why Coimbra, and how you're liking it. What other countries were you guys considering before Portugal? Well, actually, we kind of thought we were moving to Italy. <laughs> we were learning ah. Italian, and we thought that was it. And then we looked into, actually, the D7 pro process, and we kind of knew that it was a little bit easier uh, for us to actually get here. And um, you know our D7 process was super easy for us. We're probably... Uh, a unicorn and that whole thing. But, um, <laughs> you know, it yeah. wound up being that it was easier because uh, Italy, uh, the requirements were a lot different. Uh, income requirements were a bit higher as well. So with Portugal, we thought we'll give it a try here and not be so stressed out. Tell our listener why you are a unicorn with the D7. <laughs> so the reason why we were a unicorn was we mailed off our paperwork on a Thursday night via FedEx to the D.C. office. They received it on Friday morning. We got an email Friday morning 
to please send in our passports for the visa stamp. And we rushed off to send them on Friday afternoon. And by Tuesday morning, we had a FedEx package in our hand with the visa stamped in our passports. Yeah. So for our listeners, this is not the norm. (laughs) So if you're in your 30 or 60th day, don't freak out. Uh, as Janine said, you know, they're a unicorn situation, but I mean, you guys must've just been like, what, how, how did that happen? Yeah. When we got the email, we thought, oh, it's an email. They got our paperwork. Yay. And then we read on a little bit more and we were like, uh, this is not right. So we emailed them back really quickly and they were like, no, please go ahead and send your, your passports and you'll have them back as soon as possible. And they were within five days. So then after you got your passports back, when did you actually move? Because you, I'm guessing you were thinking like, we still have some time. So then what, yeah. what was the process after? Well, the process afterwards, first of all, you know, we were uh, pinching ourselves, making sure it was all real when we saw the FedEx envelope open up with our visas in there. And we were looking at each other going, well, do we go earlier? What do we do? You know, do we just stay? Because we got them back in February and we weren't due to leave until May 15th. And we kind of decided that we were going to make a, you know, family tour. We went around the country uh, after we packed up our belongings because we only came with five bags. We were going to be kind of exploring. We had never been here before. We were just going to see if it worked. And when we got to the decision of being on a whirlwind family tour of seeing everybody before we left, uh, it kind of was a blessing that we had all that extra time because you don't realize fitting into other people's schedules, how hard it is to see everybody. (laughs) So uh, it actually wound up being, you know, the perfect amount of time, even though we got them very quickly, it was kind of uh, a restful feeling knowing that we're doing this and we already know we have the visas. So yeah, we actually landed on our first wedding anniversary in Lisbon on May 15th, 2021. How exciting. What a good, what a good present, right? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you had never been to Portugal or Coimbra when you moved, right? That is correct. So you chose Coimbra. You mentioned it a little bit at the beginning because of it being vibrant and being kind of a lot going on with the university. It has the river, but it's not as big as one of the other cities. I guess first impression when you landed, were you happy that you chose Coimbra? Well, a little backstory is that YouTube is a wonderful thing, and we got to see a lot of Coimbra on YouTube. There were this couple that we were following, too. I think their names are Josh and Kaylee. They were really helpful with the whole D7 process and also getting to know Portugal well. They sound amazing. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Uh, So we... Got to know the city. Uh, we did look at other locations, but it just seemed like it was a um, small town and a big city, if that makes any sense. And when we got here, it was the day that Portugal had actually opened up and said that people can start going outside as far as the pandemic and COVID and you know being quarantined. And we were really surprised at how quiet it was because everything that's on YouTube is vibrancy and, you know, people running around and having a good time and at the parks and restaurants. And uh, it was very quiet, um, even though people were allowed to come out. 
But seeing the city, we, we actually had a blessing of being able to see it as the city itself, as opposed to, oh, this is really rushed and this is really busy and there's so many people. So it was great to actually get to know the city herself, as opposed to through other rushed and crazy eyes. We spent a lot of time, eight months at an apartment down in the Baisha, and we were able to have access to everything as soon as we went outside, of course, with our masks on. Um, <laughs> but uh, we really enjoyed it. It, it, was, it, was a, uh, it was a gift to be able to get here just as things were opening, being able to get outside and being able to get to know the area. And now it's a lot different, isn't it? It's very busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot busier than I thought it would be. Okay. So did it scare you a little bit at first when it was so quiet? Were you like, uh-oh, maybe we chose too small of a town or city? Um, Actually, no, because I just, you know, started looking into, you know, some of the um, information that was in a Facebook group that we belong to. And it was that, you know, people were kind of really hesitant to go outside and they were kind of scared. So, I thought, you know, more of on a positive side that we were very lucky to be able to get there because things were opening, but people weren't going out. So we almost had like private showing of this location and a private showing at this museum. And that was really kind of neat for us. That way we didn't, you know, feel like, oh, we're the Americans in the middle of this Portuguese, you know, city that doesn't speak any Portuguese whatsoever. And, um, we, there, people were very patient, very happy to see us coming in. And, you know, I guess the city waking up and spending money, it was, they were very excited to see anybody show up. Okay. Well, yeah, that sounds really interesting. And then, so you went from being quiet to kind of having the city to yourself, which is really nice, especially it kind of creates a soft landing as well. Uh, not so overwhelming, but now it's vibrant. There's a lot going on. So what kinds of things uh, are different than how it was? Like, now, what is it like? Um, you know, it's almost two years. So you kind of get the flow and the vibe of the city since you've lived here. And you know, things like in August, the kids are away from the university and that most Portuguese take their vacation during that month. And so the downtown at certain hours are completely overrun by buses that have come in and dropped off busloads of people on vacation. So you know exactly when and when not to uh, experience that. And as far as opening up, it's like a blossoming. It's just this amazing flower of Coimbra where restaurants are starting to open up. People are starting to open new restaurants. Um, the parks that were all walled off have actually, uh, the workers have gone back to work, done the work and opened up the parks. Um, you know, the sidewalks are being fixed with the, you know, cobblestones and stuff like that. Now we have the boat cruises on the river. And that was uh, something new that we just saw a few days ago. So the city is really blossoming. And to our excitement, you know, we were in love with it when we first got here. And to just see more and more things become available as different options, whether it's restaurants or fun things to do in the city, um, it, it's great to see that Quiver puts money back into the city so that they are constantly renewing it and improving it. And, and on that note, actually, we now have a light rail that is 
you know, this, the main road is being dug up at this point, but they're going to connect between Coimbra and Luzon so that uh, it'll be a direct shot with, you know, obviously a few stops, but it opens up so much uh, to see down in that area and being able to get back and forth in one day. Yeah, it's amazing to see the growth. That's so great because Coimbra is such mm-hmm. a beautiful place anyway. And so just to see them improving it, you know, those little things, make, it means means a lot, right? Yes, absolutely. So then how does it compare from where you moved like from Texas and California? Well, uh, in California, you know, I had lived there for a very long time. I raised my children there. And so to move away from there to Texas, it was a huge difference because it was rural and I wasn't used to that. And then moving from Texas to here, whenever you move to a no country, obviously you have so many differences to get used to, so many changes, not only the language, but shopping and how are you going to get around because we don't have a car. So we had to get used to the bus system and the train system. And now we have scooters and you know electric bikes and that kind of stuff. So there's all kinds of options, bolt, taxis, but if you want to get outside of the city, you know, you, you kind of either are taking the train, a bus, or you need a car. But getting used to that was a, a big difference. Being an adult, I have had a car my whole life. So it was a different way of dealing with your freedom. You know, car, you get in your car, you go wherever you want, and then you go home. With mass transit, you have to time things. And I wasn't used to that. Mm-hmm. So you have to get used to that. You know, as as far as being in Coimbra and being so incredibly different, I would say that the weather is very similar to Southern California. I think it may get a tad colder in the winter, but, you know, that's doable because it's maybe, what, one week, maybe possibly two weeks spread out over three or four months. But it it's really very similar to Southern California. The springs and the falls are really beautiful here. Summer might get a little hot. But, you know, you're kind of inside not doing too much in the Baisha downtown area because there's so many tourists. <laughs> yeah, it's funny to, to look at things as you live here now and the tourists, you know, overwhelm you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same thing happens in Porto. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, a burning question that I have is do you guys use the electric scooters there? We've actually used the electric scooter in Faj de Doro. We have not used them here because we recently got e-bikes. So we have oh, been okay. on more electric bikes and enjoying that. Going out into smaller cities and quieter roads. Uh, I did try going into the city on my e-bike, but it was not for me. <laughs> it was the, big, the city bike was not for me. Too many, too many people, too many cars. The one thing I would say about this is that with Coimbra, they are trying to constantly improve themselves and they have bike paths, but unfortunately the bike paths will start and stop and then you don't know where the next start is. And so that's a little troubling. And so then you have to kind of make it across the road to drive in traffic and uh, until you see or find another bike path. So it's a little difficult, which I, I know they're very bike friendly, um, but driving on the roads is still a little, I'm a little new to that. So it's a little scary for me. Okay. 
Um, but the the smaller roads, side roads, and into the smaller towns, it's really really nice. They're very respectful on those roads. Uh, we kind of ride, you know, front to back, and um, they will go around you. They'll wait if someone's oncoming, and they're very very respectful. Sometimes they even give you a little hog, you know, not not a big one, but just a little one to let you know that they're coming. That's nice. Okay, so that's a really good alternative to if you don't want a car or don't have a car to do something like an e-bike because you're able to get out of the city fairly easily and comfortably on your e-bike. Yes, absolutely. And there are, I've noticed just doing this, you know, there are lots of little parts along the sides of the roads. And if you, you know, pack a backpack or you've got, you know, the bags on the back of your bike, you can certainly get out of the city very quickly to go to a picnic or to meet friends or whatever you want to do. Um, and and there's a, a location very close here. It's actually a national forest, believe it or not. And um, we can walk there or we've taken our bikes there. It's called Chapal. And it is a beautiful walk. You would not know it is plopped down in the middle of the city. Uh, well, maybe not the middle of the city. It's on the side of the city. But it is absolutely stunning place to go and get away if you'd like to have that nature, birds, sounds. It's beautiful. Okay, great. And earlier you said you used to live in Baisha. So have you moved out of that central area? We have. We've moved across uh, the river, Mandigo, and we now live on the Santa Clara side. We are actually close, pretty close to the Forum. We kind of walk up and down that hill to be able to get to the major grocery store, which I, I thought was amazing. They have grocery stores in malls here. That was something that was brand new for me. Uh, but they have a huge grocery store up the hill. We also have an Aldi a block and a half away from us. The location is wonderful. This side of the city is a bit quieter. The other thing is there's not as many restaurants on this side. So if you're really uh, looking to have I want to walk out the front door, I want the cafe lifestyle, I want to be able to get to a restaurant within five minutes, then the Baisha would be better for you. Or or at least that side of the river, there seems to be a lot more restaurant availability over there. How do you feel that the variety overall in Corimba is for restaurants and bars? Well, like I said, you know, it was the, the blossoming of the city and the opening up of the city where uh, there was very limited when we first got here in 2021. But the restaurants, I was just talking about this to a friend and she was asking what there was. And, you know, Italians by the river, there's Portuguese, there's a brand new beer garden gone in by the river. There's gelato by the river. Then you get into the Baisha and now we've uh, seen so many different kinds of restaurants opening. What I haven't seen is Thai. She was asking about Thai, but I'm sure that's here somewhere. Just haven't found okay. it yet. <laughs> and then, I mean, it being a university city, is it is it rowdy? Are there a lot of bars? Is it noisy? Closer up to the Praça de Republica, which is uh, mostly where kids go in between classes or after school, they're up there and they want, you know, reasonable price food and they want reasonably priced beers. So there are restaurants up there that actually cater. And so if you're looking for a restaurant with even outdoor seating, because they seat you in the middle of the praça, um, that that's a really great place. And if you start heading down the hill, there are so many different restaurants um, as far as in one small location. Um, 
As far as rowdy goes, I, I think, you know, there are times where it gets rowdy. And at the beginning of the school year, there's like rush is, I think, what they call it here. So all the new students are trying to get into their different clubs and things like that. Yes, there are a few times here and there during the year where it might get loud. But my personal experience is, uh, you know, in October, you want to be gone because there's a week of partying. And then in May, there is also the graduation. And that is like a week of insanity. So most expats get up and, you know, leave and go somewhere else in Europe and enjoy themselves somewhere else. But for the vibrancy and uh, actually, this is another plus with having the students around. They will go into the Baisha and they will sing or they will play their music. And it is so amazing to have these students come down who have amazing voices. They have so much talent. They're singing and dancing. You know, they have their little tray out front so you can donate to uh, whatever cervejas they're going to be buying that evening. But (laughs) the trade-off is really worth it because for the few times that they get boisterous, it's okay for what you get in return. Now, I have heard of a few friends who lived in the Baisha area in certain locations, and there's a lot of partying all night long until three, four, five, six o'clock in the morning. I have heard of that, but I haven't experienced that myself. Okay, so just choosing housing wisely if you if you don't want to be around that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> if you have children, the Baisha may not be the best location for you. You may want to get out into one of the more residential neighborhoods. Let's just say that. <laughs> good advice, good advice. And then a few times you've mentioned hills. So how hilly are we talking? Well... You know, there's that competition between Porto and Coimbra (laughs) (laughs) where Porto seems to think they're hillier. And I've been through most of uh, Porto. I've been here for two years. And I have to say, Coimbra is hillier on the ascent as far as, you know, the like 45 degree angle, (laughs) maybe. Yeah. worse walking up the hills um you know that we may not have as many as porto but i feel like porto is not as steep as coimbra is and running hill you know it goes really really high and then comes all the way back down to the baisha so yeah well you know that's the complaint i had with lisbon is that well people will say oh porto is so hilly but it it has its hills it's more like Slight hills and then plateaus, whereas you get to Lisbon and the grade, just like in Coimbra, is like, whoa, like we're going way uphill here. And so, yeah, from what I remember from Coimbra as well is they got their own hills going on for sure. (laughs) Yes, they do. (laughs) I think that if you are coming to Coimbra and you have any mobility issues or challenges, it may be something that is a challenge. But it is something that you can overcome with either a bolt or a car or, you know, just taking it really slowly and, you know, maybe walking one way, but not the other way. If you're more comfortable walking downhill, you can certainly get back home with a bolt or your car. But it's really uh, a doable situation as long as you know that there are options available. And for someone with mobility issues or someone that doesn't want to, you know, encounter the hills too much, what parts or parts of the city would be best to live in? 
Oh, boy. Well, I would, my first answer would be Santa Clara, because over here, we'd really have one hill that takes us up to the Forum, Coimbra. Um, that's the mall over here. But most of Santa Clara is very, very flat. If you're looking to get elsewhere, I mean, there are parts of Coimbra, Solemn and Selish, they're already at the top. So if you know that you're going to be living on top of the hill and you have access to a grocery store and a doctor and a hospital and all those things for life, you know, general everyday life, then, hey, I could take a bolt down to the Baisha or again, I can walk down, take a bolt back or whatever it may be. But if you're looking for stroller friendly, I would say Santa Clara. If you have uh, severe mobility issues, I would say Santa Clara. Okay. Good to know. So let's talk about prices because we were talking about restaurants, bars, um, and you've been around to lots of places around Portugal. So how can you compare prices with like Porto and Lisbon to Coimbra? I would say as far as Lisbon and Porto, we have eaten in both locations in restaurants and also little cafes. And no matter where you are, if you are looking to stick to that 10 euros a day, you can find a breakfast for a couple of euro. You can find a reasonable tostag for a couple of, you know, maybe four or five euro. And then, you know, you may kind of go over for dinner, but uh, as far as, you know, sticking to that 10 euros a day. But if, if you're looking for it, you'll find it. So if you're looking for something that is upscale, you can find it no matter what location you're going in. On the whole, I think it may just be a euro or two less in Coimbra than it would be in Porto or Lisboa. So if you're looking to spend less on the whole, you would probably do a little bit better here. The grocery stores, I feel, also are a little less expensive as well. 50 cents, a dollar, you know, depending on what you're looking at. Okay. All right. Good. And then community-wise, have you met other locals? Are most of your friends expats? Like, how do you meet people? And what is the hangout scene there? Well, you know, our Portuguese is not fantastic. So <laughs> most of our friends are expats at this point. But we do have some local friends. And my husband runs a, a group called Curious Knights of Coimbra. It's a Facebook page. And we do some volunteer work within the city as far as we make these dates for picking up trash. And we also did a cleaning of the bridge, the Pedro Nunes Bridge. And we created a little bit of buzz about giving back to the city. We've also picked up a little flack for that for some people that weren't happy that their taxes weren't going to this and that it was being done for free by a bunch of Americans. But, you know, we were okay with that. <laughs> Interesting. It, yeah, unfortunately. It did spark an interest with the 20-somethings who saw this going on and they wanted to know how to join the group so that they could help. But as far as the bridge, it was a lot of issues kind of came up around that. So we put it to bed for the winter, the fall and winter, really. And depending on whether the city is open to us doing it again, we may try to do the other side of the bridge if they're open to it. Okay. How do you get in touch with people in the city to figure out if this is okay? Well, Dave, actually, my husband, wound up 
having a contact within the city regarding this issue. I can't remember what department he was in, but because it wasn't like, oh, Parks and Rec. It was something where you were like, really? But um, yeah, he has the contact and he was the one who was emailing back and forth. And I actually met with him on the bridge and they discussed what would be going on and showed him where the water was going to be located. And we kind of told him how many people this would be. And, you know, we wouldn't leave anything behind. And we'd make sure that we did best job without interrupting people walking on a Saturday morning and enjoying their day. We just kind of fit in as much as possible. As far as connecting, it, it's really through the camera, I believe is, is uh, the proper terminology. And um, it takes a little bit, you know, of poking and prodding, but uh, we were super happy to be able to give back. And that's the whole purpose of Curious Nights of Culebra is to give back to this amazing city that we love living in. Yeah, that's so amazing that you're doing that. Hopefully you can navigate the the red tape that, you know, is Portugal, <laughs> is everywhere, right? <laughs> but that's so great that you guys are that you guys are doing that. And if anyone else who either lives in Coimbra or is planning on moving there, if they want to get involved in volunteering, they can just find you on the Facebook page. They can join that. Yes. It's a Facebook page, Curious Nights of Coimbra. It's kind of run by my husband. You know, I'll kick in every once in a while. I'll help out. But uh, yeah, I believe we have about 300 members at this point split between, you know, mostly expats and and not just American expats, you know, expats from elsewhere. And, um, you know, we have uh, many members who are actual locals uh, living here in Coimbra. Okay, great. So it sounds like a, a growing expat community there. And we'll go ahead and put a link to that Facebook group in the show notes. Um, a new Facebook group where they have game nights and expats and locals come together and, you know, kind of struggle between English and Portuguese or French and Portuguese or German and Portuguese and play the games together. And it's a, a really great opportunity for people to meet either expats or meet locals and have a really good time. That sounds so fun. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, so as far as language goes, then you have a whole mix. But how are you guys getting by? Like, do you have to speak Portuguese there? Is English good? Like, how's that going? Well, I would say, you know, if you have the basics, like I'd love a cup of coffee or please may I have a cup of coffee or thank you. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. You know, if you have some basics, you can kind of get by. There's a lot of miming going on. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of sticking your hand out and showing what kind of change you have in your hand and people will help you. I have to say, as far as learning goes, there are different locations here. The high school offers night classes and they are free. Uh, however, I want you to know that there is no English spoken. <laughs> so get ready to dive into the deep end. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So you may want to find yourself a tutor before you kind of head into that because it would be really great to know even just small things like, okay, now let's read this page. Just get those little commands as far as hearing something from the teacher and knowing what you're supposed to be doing. And I think probably it would be good to work with a tutor while you're in those classes. There's also another school here that offers a couple of classes. It's called the International House, and they offer emergency. I need to know how to order, order coffee. I know I need to know <laughs> how to order half a pound of 
you know, apples or something like that. Uh, they do offer that. I do know that they are looking t- into getting their accreditation. So if you get through their classes, then you will get your A1 cert- certificate. And then if you get through their A2, you'll get your A2 certificate. They don't have it yet, but they are looking forward to uh, getting that done. Yeah, that's good for your citizenship. Yes. And then MedCross, you're saying? Yeah, there is a option as well. Uh, I believe there are online classes and also in person with the Red Cross as far as learning Portuguese. And if you're coming over and you have a job, the Red Cross actually has a specific class just for people who are looking to uh, improve or learn their Portuguese for work or business. Okay, so options. And I think I've heard that you can take lessons at the university as well. Is that something that you know of? That is. And you talk about jumping into the deep end. Um, I do believe that they have more English for their A1 classes, but they move at a much more rapid pace. So if you're okay with that, then yes, absolutely. However, I am not clear on the certification for that. That would be something people would have to look into if you're looking to get your certification for Okay. So it sounds like options for different levels. That's good. Coimbra offers a lot of options for language stuff. Yes. And you have something that you do with your spare time as well, don't you? I do. Actually, since we moved here, I wound up falling into pet sitting. So if people are here and they're looking for pet sitting, if I'm not <laughs> busy with someone else, yeah, I definitely do pet sitting, house sitting. I go to your home so that your pet is not put out of sorts. They're in their own environment and they're in their own location so that they are more comfortable. And I am really the only thing uh, that is new to them. And so they will feel much more comfortable. I do like to meet you in advance, meet the pet to make sure that there is no issues. The pet likes me. I feel comfortable (laughs) with them. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, and you guys have actually been to our place, and you've taken care of Pincho for us. So you go outside of Coimbra. It's not just in Coimbra. True. Absolutely. We go out um, to other locations. Faj de Doro was that one location where I had ridden the scooter, and we were actually pet-sitting for that as well. I do not own a car, so it makes it a little more difficult if the person is not on a train line or a bus location. I do have customers who will come and pick me up if they have a car, and I will go to their home and stay. Awesome. And then if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Yeah, you can find me at a higher standard pet care. And that is on Facebook. Okay, and we'll put that in the show notes too. But I did want to ask you, do you feel like Coimbra and Portugal overall is a pet friendly? I believe that Portugal is very pet friendly in pretty much every location that I've been in. I didn't really experience the dog's way potty on sidewalks until I got to Porto. Sorry. Uh (laughs) No, you don't have to apologize. It's so true. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Clean up your dog poop, people. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And then what about like at cafes? Do people, will people sit outside with their dogs? How common is that in Coimbra? Yes, it's actually very common here to have dogs sitting at cafes, out, you know, outside of bigger restaurants, not just cafes, but larger restaurants. The waiters and owners are very accommodating. They will bring out water and make sure that the dog's water is 
filled up if dog was very thirsty and you've been there for an hour or so. They'll come back out and try to, you know, fill the water up for the dog. Uh, they're also very engaging. I mean, I'm sure you run into people who are not, but my experience has been that most people, the servers and the owners or, you know, whomever in the restaurant are very engaged with dogs and asking, can I pet them? Uh, is it okay? You know, are they nice? That kind of thing. And uh, yeah, they're engaging and uh, have many friends who have dogs and they know where to go because they know that their dog likes that particular server or that particular owner. So they'll go to those Aww. locations. Over there. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. Yeah, that, that's cute. Awesome. Okay, so to wrap things up, any advice or information for anyone who is thinking about moving to Coimbra? I would say the most important thing at this point is securing a place to stay. With so many people now discovering Portugal on a whole, but also Coimbra and what a beautiful, vibrant city it is, that that might be the most important thing is securing your apartment or home or whatever you're looking for. That do know that pricing, you know, as with everywhere else in Portugal has been going up, whether you're buying or renting. So beware to maybe spend a little more than you're thinking and just make sure that you come in and if you have to do it online, make sure that you get somebody who can give a, a video call and give you their time so that you can see what you're getting into and make sure it's large enough for your needs. Make sure that the location, if they can go outside and show you where it's at, that would be fantastic. Um, and, and then also making sure that you're in a, a location that's right for your family. Come here and enjoy. Be respectful. Understand you're in a new community. You're in a new country. And be open-minded. At Expats Everywhere, we love to ask people how living abroad and moving abroad has transformed your life. So how has moving to Coimbra transformed your life? Well, I would say it actually has broadened my mind as far as being in Europe and noticing the differences in culture here, not just at Portugal, but the differences even between towns. And Coimbra has its own vibe, its own flow. And uh, it's really beautiful. And, and the people are kind and it's wonderful to feel that every day. So knowing that I'm safe and that I live amongst people who are kind and caring, it is very freeing, believe it or not. It, it, it's really wonderful to be able to be somewhere where you know if you have to go out and it's dark outside, you don't have to worry. It's wonderful to know that if uh, you fall down and someone sees you, which happened to me, that you will have six or seven people rushing at you and all in Portuguese asking you if you were okay and trying to help you up. And, and you just have that feeling of community and safety. And um, yeah, I don't think we could be happier in another country. I, I don't know about another town, but uh, certainly not in another country. Awesome. Janine, thank you so much. Such great stuff about Greenbrae today. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. So listener, we know that you are preparing to move to Portugal. We did everything ourselves for the D7 visa. So we have a DIY D7 course. We also have a DIY remote worker course now since they've split those up. And if you're already here, we have a living in Portugal course for you. Now, the difference between the D7 and the D8 or the digital nomad visa course that you could get is if you have active income, you should be getting the digital nomad 
or D8 course. If you have passive income, you should be getting the D7 course. And we have a special promotion for anybody that is a listener of this podcast. If you type in podcast at checkout, you will get $15 off. So these will just guide you through exactly what you need. They stay up to date as things change. And once you purchase it, it's yours for life. So if you're not ready to go now, you can still get it and take a look and you can use it later on. And Kaylee is a mad lady and she is always updating the course so that it doesn't fall out of date. Well, I have to because they're always changing things and so it has to stay up to date. That's facts. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Let's Move to Portugal. Contact info for all the services mentioned are in the show notes. If you like the show, please subscribe. If you love the show, please tell a friend, connect with us on our socials, and if you want to help us out, give us a review on your podcast player. Expats Everywhere Presents Let's Move to Portugal is produced by Time or Money Productions. Expats Everywhere researches our guests, and we do our best to provide factual and relevant information at the time of the recording. Despite our best efforts, we can make no guarantees as to the accuracy of what you've heard in this episode. We highly recommend that you do your own research and check your own facts.